I'm Reverend Harry Bridge. And I'm Dr. Scott Mitchell, and this is the Dharma Realm Podcast. And we're coming to you from the Kodo of the Jodo Shinshu Center in Berkeley, California. This is the Dharma Realm Podcast for June 1st, 2012, and today uh, we take a stab at Jodo Shinshu 101. Okay, so we got another question from a listener, which is actually, um, he, he frames this question as a very simple question, but, um, you know, Harry and I are going to uh, talk about it for three or four hours. Um, <laughs> uh, his, his question starts, uh, good evening from Japan. Um, my wife is Japanese and her family is Jodo Shinshu by tradition, but not practice. And this got my curiosity going. A few clicks later, I find your podcast. Um, I seem to be missing the basics of your faith. Um, so forgive my questions if they sound so basic. So some of his questions are uh, things like, what is the relationship between Amida Buddha and the historical Buddha? Is one superior to the other? Is there a really uh, physical geographic pure land or is it something else? Jujo Shinshu practitioners even have to agree on this. Um, and basically what he's asking us for is a uh, sort of Jodo Shinshu 101 episode. And I think that's actually a really great idea. It feels to me like there's lots of uh, misunderstandings or confusion about what Jodo Shinshu and uh, what Pure Land Buddhism is. And actually sort of addressing some of these questions um, would be really helpful. Um, uh, sort of public service for uh, the internet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we're, uh, Harry and I are going to try to get to uh, our listeners' specific questions, um, but you know, like I said, we tend to go off sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> but his 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 starting point is his perspective in Japan, where his wife is a, a Jodo Shinshi Buddhist by uh, tradition, but not practice, which got yeah. Harry thinking. That's really interesting. Um, I think that uh, I was brought up nominal Christian. And I think my dad was a nominal Christian too. Like I, I, have a, I have a feeling my dad considered himself Christian, but we never went to church ever. We didn't have a Bible in the house. We did, but it was locked away and it never, not locked away, but just <laughs> in a drawer, never saw it. Um, and so, you know, this kind of like, yeah, I guess I'm Christian, but I don't know what that means, right? I think there's a lot of people like that in the United States. Mm-hmm. I think there are a lot of nominal Buddhists in Japan, right? And uh, this is related to uh, the historical situation in Japan. Um, fascinating. I mean, Japanese history is, is really just fascinating in itself. Uh, you know, this is my take on it, one possible take. Uh, Japan is a deeply Buddhist country, but historically, in around 1600, all they, the government used the temples to uh, uh, register people as a means of kind of like the social institution. And so all Japanese families were registered with their local temple in Japan from 1600 or, you know, early 1600s through the Meiji period, uh, late 19th century. And then, uh, so, yes, you were Buddhist. Your temp- your, and that kind of continued, I think, where a lot of families still have, they, they know that their family, their local temple is that one. But, you know, after Meiji Restoration and then Shinto becoming state religion and trying to uh, get rid of Buddhism and then Buddhism co-opting itself into the militaristic imperialist regime, uh, you know, that changes things a lot. Uh, And then World War II, uh, 
Japan loses, America wins, we enforce our system, separation of church and state. And I think that was huge, so that there's no religious or ethical education in public schools whatsoever in Japan. So I think that there are a lot of people that really have a complete distance from their temple and from Buddhism, that they just don't even encounter it. So, on a, you know, some cultural level, they may be Buddhist, but I think there are many, many people that are nominal Buddhists in Japan, where they don't,、uh, you know, they're, what, how does he put it? Joro Shinshu by tradition, but not by practice.、Uh, and so,、uh, that's kind of、uh, the background here that I think we see a lot of, and we kind of talked about it、um, before too,、uh, just that in Japan, Buddhism isn't, is having trouble reaching people, I think. Uh, and so we have these, we've been coming up with these great big questions.、Uh, but so, so we want to、um, address some of his questions just、um, kind of、uh, briefly, I think.、Um, yeah, and I think it's a really, I think it's really important. Yeah.、Um, I mean, it's great that, I mean, it seems like in America, people ask these questions because they're interested in Buddhism. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, they're like, I read about Buddhism, so I know about Shakyamuni. What's going on with this Amida thing? Yeah, and I have a really hard time with these guys. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was teaching a, a guest lecture up at,、uh, the, at the, one of the GTU member schools、uh, a couple weeks ago, and somebody、uh, asked me if I was a Buddhist and what that meant and if I practiced. And I had no idea how to answer this question. <laughs> <laughs> I have a really, you know, and I'm, you know, I do this for a living. Like, describing Buddhism as I do for a living. And I think that the problem is, is that I have a hard time coming. Up with like the short answer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, I have the short yes or no answer to all of these questions, but then I feel compelled to, to, to go into the nuance, to go into the history, to go into the backstory, to really explain it. And, you know, sometimes you can do that, but, you know, a lot of times you start doing that and people's eyes glaze over and、mm-hmm. you can tell they're not listening anymore. <laughs> It's the problem of being an academic,、uh, boring your friends to sleep. So、mm-hmm. it would be great if we could come up with like some, you know, short answers that make sense and are very clear、yeah. and direct about some、so、of these questions. What do you call the elevator? The, the Elevator pitch. It's when、yeah. you only have like a short period of time to explain something to somebody, and so you have to really get to the, the heart of the matter. So, can we do an elevator pitch for Jodo Shinshu? That's hard, huh? Go!、Uh, Jodo Shinshu is about、uh, being Buddhist and learning about Buddhism. So, it has room for learning all, all different aspects of Buddhism,、uh, also, deep self introspection, self reflection. Uh, learning a lot about yourself and relationship、uh, with the world.、Uh, and I think it gives the possibility of change and transformation,、um, that there is、uh, a kind of spiritual transformation that can take place. And that、uh, as a Jodo Shinshu follower,、uh, we、uh, touch something deeper in life, maybe、um, closer to what life is really about instead of just the kind of surface stuff. There you go. That's pretty good. I like it. Thank you. <laughs> I think that that transformation part is yeah, important. Yeah, yeah, yeah.、Huh? Um, that without that, it just turns into,、eh, okay. Rote ritual yeah, for no、yeah. particular reason. Yeah.、Um, so, interesting. What is the relationship between Amida Buddha and the historical Buddha? Is one superior to the other? Yes. Yes and no. Ah,、oh, um, darn it. <laughs> I'm already failing the test. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, yeah. Surface level,、uh, the only reason Shakyamuni appeared was to teach about Amida Buddha and his vow. According to Jodo,、uh, Shinran Shoni. Right. Right. The basic. Uh, understanding of, of Shinran. So it looks like at the time of Shinran,、uh, they weren't worried about Shakyamuni Buddha at all, that they really focus on Amida Buddha and on this、uh, vow of、uh, what do you want to call of, it? Salvation. Of transformation, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say vow of salvation, but maybe that's what is better vow of transformation.、Mm-hmm. 
I like that. Okay, this is good. All right, see. Oh, we're making stuff up here, but I think it's good. It's, it's creative. <laughs> no, I don't think it's making it up at all. I think that's that's totally. I think that's a totally valid way to look at it. You know, mm-hmm. it's the um, turning bits of rubble into gold metaphor, right? Mm-hmm. Of you have to transform your person into, or I mean, that transforms you, or or however you want to frame it. But right, right. so anyway, uh, the short answer is that you know it seems like Shakyamuni appeared in this world in order to talk about the Pure Land. Um, so they, you know, Shinran doesn't denigrate Shakyamuni at all, but seems to pretty much ignore a lot of um, what we often consider basic Buddhist teachings. Mm. Not, not ignore, but um, but the, taking the emphasis off of Shakyamuni, the historical Buddha, as teacher, and putting much more uh, emphasis on Amida Buddha as Buddha reality right. that we can encounter, that comes to us. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's come back to this. Okay. And answer his next question. Okay. Which one? The, is the, the physical land. geographic. Yeah, 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 okay, yeah, yeah. so that's the easy answer for Amida Buddha. Next, is there really a physical geographic pure land, or is it something else? I don't know. <laughs> um, the text certainly um, seem to say that there if is. If you just read the text on the surface level, there is this place. It's in the West. It has some kind of geographic spatial location. Uh, long, long descriptions, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But and, and there are certainly contemporary Shin Buddhist teachers who absolutely believe that the Pure Land is a real place, and absolutely believe that I mean the Buddha is a real Buddha, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and you know take it very literally. Um, and I think that there are probably I would guess there's probably more Shin Buddhists who understand it in a more metaphorical way. No, I don't. I wouldn't call it metaphorical. I think you can also read um, that on the ultimate level, the Pure Land is Nirvana itself. Right, right, right. And Sean so Dao right, says right, that right, right. Um, Shinran ha- talks about this in some, you know, in some ways. Uh, so, so it's not necessarily a question of there being a real place. It's a question of uh, a different understanding of yes. Nirvana, and so and a different understanding of Pure Land. Because right, right, right. I would say other Pure Land Buddhists would consider it a place, mm-hmm. uh, but Shinran gives a lot of evidence for it being enlightenment itself, right. Nirvana itself, and therefore non-spatially located, pervading all things, right. in a way. And, and yet, Shinran also maintains that from the point of ignorance that uh, samsara and nirvana are separate. Mm-hmm. Right? That it, this, it's not, so some, some people make the case that, um, well, then this is the pure land. Right. But that's, to me, a very Zen interpretation, a very emptiness kind of interpretation, and that Shinran, um, while maintaining that uh, Amida Buddha is all-pervasive, uh, also recognizes uh, and 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 stresses, I think, that in the samsaric state, it's other. Yeah, right. It's something from, from uh, my point of yeah. view as an ignorant being. Yeah, uh, that I can't run around right. saying, "Oh no, this is the pure land." Yeah, yeah. right. That that for Shinran, the um, the that's state, a cop out. I don't think so. I think it's deep part of his. <laughs> no, no, no. His, oh. to, to say to run around saying no, this is oh, the pure land is a cop right, out. Right, like right, to right, me, right. like that just seems like oh, that's just easy. I, anyway, yeah. I, so easy to say. Right. Have we really awakened to that? Right. If you've awakened to that and you see the jeweled trees and the right. the jeweled ground and the flying palaces, great. That's great for you, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but I think that the the uh, the second part of this question is do. Uh, are, do Buddhists even have to agree with each other on this one? And I, you know, I, that seems clearly to me that no, that Shin Buddhists don't agree on this, and this is a matter of interpretation and some debate. Um, you know, I don't think that that, that is fundamentally going to change anything. I think that mm-hmm. probably as Shin Buddhists are going to continue to have this debate, you know, off into the future. It doesn't seem like it's the kind of thing that we're just going to resolve and you know mm-hmm. come out and say one way or the other. Um, and even if somebody did come out and say one way or the other, I don't think they would be obliged yeah. to necessarily agree as an individual practitioner. And I think 
one other aspect, though. So here we go. Maybe um, just to jump back, we can find in Shinran evidence of him um, quoting other masters that uh, the Pure Land is Nirvana. And yet he does speak about going to the Pure Land to be born. Mm -hmm. And it seems like that we can also have in Jodo Shinshu an idea of the Pure Land as some kind of heavenly realm kind of idea that we go to when we die. Right. But Shinran, I think, is pretty firm that, yes, we go to that heavenly realm, but that means that when we go there, we become Buddha and then we come back here. So then this brings up uh, one of the big parts of confusion, I think, for a lot of people um, to say that the Pure Land is a real place and to say it's a heavenly realm that you go to after you die. I think particularly here in the United States and elsewhere in the West. Um, and probably lots of places, immediately people think, oh, this is just some weird kind of Buddhist Christianity kind of thing, and I'm turned off by that. Um, I think this is one of the biggest uh, uh, stereotypes or stumbling blocks that that Shen Buddhists have, that what you just said is that, you know, when we go to this place after you die, and it's this heavenly paradise, it's Mm -hmm. like, oh, well, you're going to go to heaven. Mm -hmm. What does that have to do with Buddhism, what does that have to do with, you know, why should I care? That's just like Christianity. Maybe I'm trying to get away from my Christian heritage or whatever. And so that's a big issue. But I think it's a fundamental misunderstanding of Pure Land Buddhism because, Mm -hmm. as you just said, once you get to the Pure Land, Shinran makes it very clear, and I think this is very true in Pure Land Buddhism more generally, once you get to the Pure Land, boom, you become enlightened, and it's not the end result. You know, the end result in, in some Christian soteriology is that you go to heaven, that's it. That's eternal, period, end of story. But that's not what's happening in a Pure Land context. Pure Land is not the end goal. Pure Land is part Means of the to process. The, goal. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> the end goal is Buddhahood. The end goal is to become Buddha. And uh, that's a really important um, aspect because um, that places it in Mahayana. Right. So, um, you know, I think a lot of people, there's a lot of people that know a lot about Buddhism, yeah, right? Yeah, but yeah. it's all book knowledge, right? And, um, and a lot which of is books, great. You know, and a lot of books start off with, you know, the historical Buddha, Shakyamuni, right? And then he did the Four Noble Truths and the Eightfold mm-hmm. Path. And then they finally find out something about Shin Buddhism. And they're like, what? what mm-hmm, where's, mm-hmm. where's the Eightfold Path? Where's, mm-hmm. you know, the Four Noble Truths? And I think that's all, to me, it seems like it's sort of taken for granted. Like, by the time you get to Shin Buddhism, yeah, we know all that. Now we're on to something a bit more deep and a bit more complicated. Like, we've sort of gone mm-hmm. a bit further into the tradition and, and really taken some of these issues to some sort of nth degree of complexity. And mm-hmm. it's not, to me, easy. <laughs> right, right, right. Anyway, you were right, saying. Right, no, um, uh, No, that's a great point. And it's, you know, it's a lot has to do with how we learn about Buddhism here. Um, in English and you know that Buddhism in the United States is multifaceted and diverse and uh, you know one the, you know one way is start with the basic doctrines and then build up from there but that's probably not how the majority of Buddhists throughout history have learned right, right? they've learned by going to temple <laughs> they've learned <laughs> by just doing the practices or uh, or they haven't learned at all they're peasants you don't get to learn any of that stuff yeah. for the majority of probably. And yet uh, they encounter some kind of power there. They encounter right. something there maybe. And uh, it's, it's not that they're not learning, you know, and I think that it's not that they're not allowed to learn about Buddhism, but I think that we need to recognize that historically most people haven't had the leisure time right. 
to sit around and really reflect or learn on things. Most people throughout history have been peasants who have to work. And, you know, mm-hmm. so their encounter with Buddhism, I think, as you're saying, is through this sort of powerful encounter, usually with individuals and mm-hmm. communities, which I think is uh, an important part of the historical tradition and an important part of really being a Buddhist, if you right, ask me. Right. But, and I mean, I was thinking about the issue of literacy, um, but I think probably most non-ordained Buddhists um, didn't learn from books either. They learned from other people. They learned orally, right? right? right. Having it explained to them, or you know, uh, um, by you know, in- meeting other people, not by reading stuff, right? So ours is a hyper literate, um, hyper media kind of um, culture, right? So that uh, uh, for a lot of us to learn about Buddhism, we turn to books, we right. turn to text, uh, and that may put a skew, you know, kind of skew our view of what Buddhism is. Um, and, you know, that brings up issues, again, of practice and knowledge, practice and doctrine. Um, is Buddhism about knowing stuff or is it about doing stuff? Mm. Um, That's a deep question. Yeah. And so I, th- I think we could ask, too, what do Jodo Shinshu Buddhists do? Right. right? And that's a big question. And, um, you know, uh, do they meditate? I mean, that's one of the kind of hallmarks in Jodo Shinshu is that meditation is, if not outright rejected, uh, it is certainly not a requirement and it's not the main focus right. at all. And, and in, that, in that, you know, this is, again, one of those sort of stereotypes or, or misconceptions, not misconceptions, but presumptions that people have about Buddhism. Uh, the, that question comes up all the time. What do you do? Mm-hmm. You know, there's this assumption that Buddhism is something that you do. You have a practice. What is your practice? And, you know, oftentimes people are asking that either meaning, do you meditate, or asking that in addition to, do you meditate? Um, you know, and what's the short answer there? For me, it's always, well, it depends on what you mean by meditation. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you mean Zazen and the Zen school or, or Vipassana or whatever, like, well, then no, you know, we don't do that. But, um, but you know, what is this word meditation? Where does it come from? What does it mean? And that's the more difficult, you know, sort of meaty stuff. Mm-hmm. But leaving aside the question of meditation, I think it's really it's really worth sort of thinking about what do Shin Buddhists do, um, you know, both in a sort of literal kind of way, like you know, you know, we have these temples and we go to you know temple services or whatever, but also what is, you know, what not what are we supposed to do, but like what is like the the real, as we have said in the last few episodes, what's the hardcore Shin Buddhist practice? Yeah, yeah. So uh, we hope to get to that uh, over the next few episodes. Um, I hope I don't know if we've answered any of these questions. I feel like we've been all fired up in this episode, but yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know if we've uh, answered anything or not, but yeah. And like any one of these questions about you know Amida Buddha and Shakyamuni, uh, phys- Pure Land as a as a as a physical place or not, um, you know, we, we can try and give a short answer, but I think most of the time we're gonna um, find ourselves going on and on and on and on. Like any one of these could be a whole uh, episode. So we might try to get into them in more depth at some point. 